Hello once again and welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I'm Danny Simmons. And I'm Kurt Norbert. And we're talking about the value of wise counsel today. Counsel is something that we all seek at one point in time or another, probably more often than not. And counsel is also something that each one of us is allowed to give at some point in our lives that someone's come to us and asked an important question or something they need more information about. Typically, counsel is given to help, to assist, to lend a helping hand to someone who is in danger or who is in need or who needs to change course. And and so counsel is very, very important as it is given to us. Psalm 37 and verse 30 says this, The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Psalm 37, verse 30 and 31 show us that there is wise counsel available through men and by men and for men, but that counsel, if it's going to be wise counsel, if it's going to be good counsel, it is always undergirded by the living word of God. And if that is missing, then then we are off to a terrible start because God knows all things. God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and that counsel is available for us. So it doesn't matter what it is you're dealing with in your life. If you're seeking counsel, one of the best moves, the one of the wisest decisions you can make is to find someone who will give you the counsel that you need and that you're looking for, but that it would be undergirded by the Word of God. And by the same token, if, you're, if you've been asked to give counsel, someone is obviously in need or needs your help, that you would be quick to apply Bible verses to the counsel which you give. Isn't that right, Kurt? You know, I was just thinking, uh, in a moment I'm going to use an example here uh, of an individual who, who didn't even listen to the wisdom of his father, who was the wisest man who ever lived. Mm. But we'll get to that in a moment. But you know, along the lines of what, what you're saying there, Danny, a lot of times we get sensitive about seeking advice because we're admitting then that we need help. And we may be told something we don't want to hear and we don't like being in that position. But when it comes to, to seeking wise counsel and good advice, I think there are some things we can agree on. Um, first of all, none of us knows everything. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. And likewise, none of us has experienced everything. Um, I could say that at my point in life, I've experienced a lot, but there are still some things that I have not experienced, and so I have no familiarity with them. And so when when we want, as you said, when we want to know something or we want help in dealing with an unfamiliar situation, then we're going to try to find someone who knows more than I do about that subject or who has experienced it and therefore has learned lessons from it that, that they can impart to me. And so, you know, we come to that passage you just read in Psalm that that it is the righteous judgment we should look for. Um, and it's it needs to be based on the law of God. In the righteous person, the law of God's in his heart. That's a good source for wisdom. Absolutely. Um, and I was just counting up yesterday as I was thinking about this subject. 
Proverbs has a lot to say about seeking wisdom. There are nine separate Proverbs uh, in the wisdom of Solomon that encourage us and tell us to seek wise counsel, that describe for us the importance of wise counsel, that contrast wise counsel with foolish. So there's a lot we can learn there from the wise man, uh, Solomon, greatest until Jesus came. He was the wisest person that ever walked the earth because he'd been miraculously given that wisdom according to his request. But I I find it interesting that you look at his son, Rehoboam, uh, and look at what he did with counsel. Because when Solomon died and Rehoboam became king, uh, the people made a request of him. They said, lighten your father's burden and we'll serve you. Well, I think they had a valid request there because with all of Solomon's building projects and the things that he was engaged in, he had built up a huge labor force and the people had to work hard. And there was a lot of uh, expense that went into all that building, and so the people were heavily taxed. And this lasted, you know, Solomon reigned 40 years. They're just basically telling Rehoboam, we need some relief. That's right. We need a break. Which is, that's reasonable. At least it's worth reason, taking under reasonable consideration and giving it some thought. But uh, he did seek advice from his counselors and his wise old counselors who had more knowledge and more experience told him, grant the people's request and they'll, they'll serve you forever. You won't have any trouble in your kingdom. They'll appreciate that. Well, the scripture says... Rehoboam rejected their counsel. That's a strong term. It's not like he didn't agree with it. He rejected it. No, they're not going to listen to that. And then he turned to his buddies, the young friends that he'd grown up with, and asked them for their advice in a way that indicated to them what answer he wanted to hear. And so they told him, if you think my dad was bad, wait till you see what I'm going to do, do to you. He you know, I'm going to double down. Well, anybody who stops and looks at that objectively and reasonably can understand that's a pretty dumb decision. That the people have been burdened for 40 years and you're going to make it worse? How's that going to work out? Well, history tells us, the Bible shows us how that worked out. Um, uh, Rehoboam listened to his young friends, rebuked the people's request, basically told him, I'm, I'm going to make it worse for you, and this, so he lost his kingdom. Uh, Ten out of the twelve tribes rebelled against him, and he had very little left. So the advice that he listened to uh, turned out to have some really poor consequences for him. And there was a problem there, I, I think two problems that Rehoboam had, first of all, he lacked any humility. Right. Because uh, he, he wouldn't even consider, apparently, the advice from his older, wise counselors. And secondly, he had already made up his mind what he was going to do. I, th- I think, and this is my own personal opinion, but kind of in the context of what was going on, he didn't like the people 
making that request. Um, being a young king, he probably felt like that. A that's a challenge to me. Uh, they're telling me what I should do. I don't like that. And his friends reinforced that. So he decided what he was going to do. That's why he rejected the wise counselors, the older counselors, and indicated to his young buddies what he wanted to hear. When yeah. they told him that, okay, I see my advice supports my decision, which I've already made. That's right. So there's pride involved there too. And to tie back to what I was saying about his father, Solomon's the wisest man who ever lived, and Rehoboam ignored the counsel of his own father, the wisest man who ever lived. Yeah. Because Solomon said in Proverbs twelve fifteen that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he who heeds counsel is wise. Well, Rehoboam didn't take that to heart, and it had serious consequences for him. Yeah, that's right. Solomon's counselors uh, reigning with Solomon, assisting him, that Solomon wasn't perfect. He was the wisest man that ever lived, but boy, he made some mistakes. And yep. the, the people brought that to Rehoboam's attention immediately. Your father's crushing us with these taxes. And so, you know, th this is the first request. And like you said, out of pride, he says, oh, I'm going to crush you. You haven't seen anything yet. I'm, I'm the baddest man. It's like, yeah. settle down, young man. So he took the advice he wanted to hear. And another proverb that Solomon has given to us, Proverbs 13, 10 says, by pride comes nothing but strife. Is that not what happened? Yeah. And the second part of that proverb says, but with the well-advised is wisdom. So there's, and there's another proverb, I don't have it with me, but there's another proverb that says in the place of many counselors, there's safety. Mm -hmm. And I think there's another level of wisdom there that I'm not just going to one person for counsel, but this, this situation is, is difficult. I'm challenged by it. I, I really want to come to the right conclusion. So I ask several people that I love and trust. And so uh, there's a bunch of things that can happen in, in the abundance of counselors that I trust, that I believe will lead me in the right direction. One is, if they all say the same thing. Hmm. That's a pretty good indicator. Yeah, pr yeah. I probably should do that, regardless yeah. of how I feel about it. Yep. If there's some conflict or some different statements about, well, you, you could do this, uh, this is an option for you, or here's how I did it and it worked, then you still have the ability to choose what you will do. It's up to you. But you have that good counsel, so there is safety there. That if you heed that counsel and move based on it, again, not doing everything someone told you word for word, because they're not God, but you understand they've been there, they've seen their, seen this, they've done that before, and there's no reason for you to hit your head against the wall when someone else already has, and they say, here's the best way to handle this. So, that, I mean, that, that plays out in so many different things in our lives, Um Obviously, Jesus, I know you, you had talked about that earlier, Jesus being the great counselor, mm -hmm. Isaiah 9. Yep. I just, when I, I ask myself a question, you know, when we are talking about getting advice and you're, you are just describing it, where would I find good advice and direction that I can trust in? Well, the passage that came immediate to uh, immediately to my mind was Isaiah 9 6 yeah which is clearly a messianic passage and among other things that the Messiah is named in addition to being wonderful and the mighty God the everlasting father and the prince of peace he is counselor well here 
we're told God is the counselor in Jesus. So what better source to look to? Um, after all, he is the one who created us, uh, along with the Father and the Spirit, and so he knows all about us. Individually, he knows my weaknesses and strengths. He knows where I'm coming from. And Hebrews 4.11 says he's been tempted at all points like we are, yet without sin. So he's experienced it all where I haven't. So if we're looking for one who's more knowledgeable and more experienced from whom to gain counsel, then right away Jesus is a pretty good choice. But add to that the fact that he has divine insight into my character. He knows my thoughts. He can see the end from the beginning. He knows what the consequences will be of a choice. And that's why in the scriptures he's constantly laying a choice before us and telling us here's what will happen if you decide this and here's what will happen if you decide that. So choose wisely. Um, I can look at Jesus. Now, it may be he's not going to specifically address my situation. Lord, where can I find a good mechanic for my broken down car? <laughs> but he's going to and has given me principles in his word that I can use to make a good decision. Absolutely. So where can I go? Well, Jesus is the best source of good guidance, good counsel, good direction in the questions of life that I'm going to run into. That's right. And because Jesus is such a perfect, marvelous counselor, if we go through the Gospels and watch him interact with his fellow man and give counsel. So just think about if you're reading in the Gospels, you want to think about any time that Jesus told someone what they should do or what they what to do. Um, John chapter 9, you get the blind man who Jesus, with spit and dirt, makes the mud. He puts it on his eyes and he tells him, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And the man does it. And it says, when he washed his eyes, he received his sight. So Jesus counseled him. He did what he was told. And there's no problem with Jesus in, in that. What is there any special formula to healing blindness with spit and mud? No. It's, 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 it's Jesus' commandment, the man's obedience, and then the fulfillment of what Christ said would absolutely come to pass. Jesus tells his apostles in Mark chapter 4, uh, let us get into the boat and cross over to the other side. They got in the boat with him, and they crossed over. Now, there was trouble, right? There was a storm. Yep. But yeah. Mark chapter 5 and verse 1 says, now when they got to the other side. So, again, he gave counsel. This is what we're going to do. This is how we should do it. When those follow and do what they're told, it is not a problem. The problem, like you said, and it's almost always tied to pride, is that uh, an individual hears the counsel, the good counsel from the Lord, and says, no, thank you. And so we don't. We don't want to just make this point and look at characters in Scripture to say, well, how about that? Every time it worked out, it applies to us. As you said, he's given us godly instruction for our lives, and we should take it that seriously. So in, let me give you a negative one. In Mark 10, the rich young ruler, mm -hmm. um, a man I'm, I'm fond of, I think very highly of the rich young ruler and the life that he's lived, his request. There's just so many good things about him. Mark 10, 17 says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. 
You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This young man has done everything commanded him by God. And as Jesus gives him that list, just imagine him kind of checking those off in his mind. I've done that. I've never defrauded anyone. I've always honored my father and mother. I've never cheated. I've never lied. I've never committed adultery. I've never killed anyone. So he says, I've done all of these. And then Jesus says, well, let me place my finger directly on the one thing that you are wrestling with. And so that's hard to receive that counsel, isn't it? Jesus doesn't argue with him about whether or not he had done those other things. Yeah, Jesus agrees. He, Jesus yeah. loves him. He sees mm -hmm. this young man's heart and he says, okay, here's what you lack. And you will have treasure in heaven if you do this. And the man can't. We can't put words in his mouth, but I sure think that he wanted Jesus to say, you're good. Mm -hmm. You've kept all the commandments. You're good. Yeah. You're going to heaven. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? Because he didn't have to change anything. Yeah. But that's not what Jesus said, and it just seems to break this young man's heart. And so we see someone who didn't like the counsel he was given, and he rejects it, at least on this at day. At that point, yeah. On this day. He may come around later. We don't know we that. Don't the Bible know. doesn't tell us. I hope he did. But... Me too. I sure hope that he did because he's got everything else right. And like we talked about before, you've got all these things you've done that are right, and, and Jesus is basically telling him, those are all good and approved by God, commanded by God, but this part is lacking. And so in doing all those other things, you still don't you don't measure up to, to the requirement God has placed on your life. And that's scary yeah. because there's a temptation for us to go, oh, but I did this, this, and this, and those are all good. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you're still lacking big time over here, and this is where you need counsel. It's hard for us to receive that with the right heart and the right spirit. Because we still want to talk about the good stuff we're doing. Yeah, there's where the humility comes in. Oh, man. And, and it, it, it just reinforces and illustrates the point I made earlier that here's a counselor who knows you better than you do. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, Jesus looked at this young man that he loved and zeroed right in on his fundamental problem and answered his question, what, what good thing do I need to do? So Jesus says, well, here it is. You lack one thing. Because Jesus could see it. Now, it wasn't pleasant counsel for the man. But that's something else we should look for in a counselor, is that objectivity and integrity. To see the situation, know which way is best, and then have that integrity and honestly to tell you, well, you may not like hearing this, but this is the best way to go. And like Jesus said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And, so, so, and, and for yeah. us, as we look at this, just imagine if this young man said, okay, mm -hmm. I, if I lack one thing, I've done the rest, and I'm not letting that go to waste, I will do it. Would he have been taken care of? Uh, no doubt. <laughs> He's with Jesus. Yeah. 
it, and that's, just that's like Jesus the, took care of all of us other disciples. And that's the problem for us is that, you know, there's something we want to hear. There's something we want to do. There's something we want to keep. And when good counsel is given, we say, I don't like that. I don't see how I could still uh, be fed or cared for. And, you know, Jesus is the one who makes bread. Yes. By the, by the power that he has, he, he can make fish into more fish and bread into more bread. You are not going to lack anything. So that, you know, when we look at it, we say, what a horrible mistake this young man made because what a, what a glorious experience it would have been to be with Jesus Christ. The fact that you're alive in the same time window as him is amazing to begin with. But the fact that he's now spoken to you personally and says, come with me, that you said no thank you because of the temporal things you own. And so it's good for us to look at that and go, you poor soul. You misunderstood everything about that moment in time. We have to apply that to ourselves. Yes. And that's where the rubber meets the road for me. Yeah, I, again, it's having the humility to seek wise counsel. And as we've discussed, and it, as you just showed, Jesus is the person to go to. And then have the humility and the integrity to accept it. Yeah. You know, and and you, if you look at it, Jesus just says, you, you just lack one thing, one thing. Do this. And you've got it. And it's the one thing that he was not pleased to hear. Yeah. And, and, I, and interestingly enough, too, and I think we've pointed this out before, Jesus didn't go running after him nope. and say, oh, well, now wait a minute. We can negotiate this. No. He let it. He laid it out like it needed to be. He saw what he needed to do, told him. And let the man make his decision. That's right. If you're going to have treasure in heaven, you want treasure in heaven, this is what you must do. Here's the deal. Here's make this choice, and here's what you'll get. And righteous sell everything, and you'll have you'll have treasure in heaven that surpasses every penny you've got here on earth. You have to believe that, but you've got to accept it. That's right. And like we just both mentioned, I I like to think that he was of the heart that went away and considered this and. When he thought about it, it, wow, you know, treasure in heaven versus what I've got here. He made the right decision, but he certainly only could the have. Lord knows that. That's right. We do it too. You know, once we've read, read a passage and it, t- it speaks directly to what we're doing that we shouldn't, uh, there's not many of us who go, okay, that's over. You know, yeah. there's a there's a period of wrestling mm-hmm. and decision making and, and how, you know, how do I accomplish this? I know this isn't right. It takes time, so we, we want to give them the benefit of the doubt. You, you mentioned the mechanic earlier, uh, someone you go to, you give them money, you trust them. So I, just to add another layer to this, I would say if you had an issue with your car, and this is for anyone who's listening, you have an issue with your car, you could drive down the road or go to Google Maps and find a mechanic nearby and kind of just walk in and go, well, I hope you're the right, hope I picked the right crew here to tell me the truth and to do what's right. But if you had a friend that you'd been friends with for a long time who was a mechanic, you know, who are you more likely to go to? Yeah. Obviously the friend, because you've been friends for a long time, you know them intimately, and they're just not going to do that to you. Um, they're there to help you, you know that, so they'll save you money, they'll save you on labor, and they're going to do the job, only the job that's needed to be done. And so just in that basic principle, we understand more about counsel, don't we? That I, I, I don't want to 
walk into the door of a where, where a church building is and come up to whoever's standing in that church building and say, hey, you know about the Bible, right? I got, I got an important question. I need to need my life to get straightened out. Um, that's one way to do it. But the chances of you getting good counsel are not very good, despite the fact you just walked into a church building. Yeah, that doesn't guarantee anything. It doesn't. We'd have no idea who this person is. But again, if you're a member of the local church and you've listened to a man teach and preach and live his life, his counsel mm-hmm. should have more weight. You know what? And if he's been a bad example, then it has less weight. Right. That's the reality That's of it. That's how it works. And Jesus was always a good example, the perfect example. So here's the one that I can trust in. He's... he's you know, to use your illustration, he'll be able to fix my car. You know, not, not such a mundane thing. I'm not saying that literally, but if I've got a problem in my life, he has the fix for it. Yeah. If I will just accept what he says. That's right. A lawyer is a counselor. And really, when it comes to getting into the courtroom and dealing with legal issues that we know nothing about and we have no experience with, we want someone who does know and does have experience who's going to give us counsel. That's right. Advice. Okay, uh, they've offered a plea bargain. Here's what we should do. Or, you know, here's here's how you need to behave before this judge. You're always respectful, of course. Or just whatever advice he gives you, you know, their lawyer or the prosecutor, whoever it is, they're going to ask you this question. Here's how you need to deal with it. Not lie, but he's going to tell you how to stand up to the pressure and how to avoid getting into the traps that, you know, the little word traps and games and stuff that that people will play. We trust that counselor's advice. That's right. And that's why that name is given to them. As you said, when I come into the courtroom, I don't know anything about what's going on other than the fact that I've been accused of something or or whatever the case may be. So we hire someone, bring someone in uh, who has studied and understands the law uh, they understand courtroom procedure. That's big. And so we, we let them do all the moving and the talking, and we sit there quietly and do what we're told because we don't know what they know, and we trust them in that. Uh, the definition of legal terms. You know, if you hear a judge and the other lawyer use all these legal terms and you think, I have no idea what's being said, counselor comes back and says to you, Here, here's, what, here's what they're offering. And then he brings it to us in layman's terms. And so the counsel is in that e- as well, isn't it? He, he's saying, yeah. I understand these he's things. He's helping you understand. Here's what it means. And then that gives us the information in order to make a decision. And as you mentioned as well, the counselor's going to say to you in, in your first couple of meetings when we go into the courtroom, this is what you need to be wearing. Yep. Your hair needs to be tended to. Either cut it, comb it, do something. We, yep. want, you, we want you looking as respectable as possible. Yep. You need to respect the court. Yep. Because that first impression makes a tremendous impact and if you come in looking like the way you look now it'll have a negative impact if you clean up now we're not going to sway the judge by the way you look but we sure don't want to hurt ourselves right by the way you're dressed so that's counsel too isn't it yeah i mean that's all from the ground up that is advice that is beneficial to you uh and that lawyer whom you've hired ethically he is bound to represent you in the in a legal and most beneficial way he can for you he's the one in that courtroom that's got your back and so depending on the magnitude of the case you're putting a lot on the line uh, with him 
That's right. And since he is learned and experienced in these things, if we're wise, we're going to listen to that advice and do it. Yeah, okay, uh, I won't talk like this in court, or I, I'll, I'll dress up, you know, I'll make mm-hmm. sure I'm clean, and the whole thing, I'll show respect to the judge, and and when he says stand, I'll stand, when he says sit, I'll sit, when he says talk, I'll talk, and That's right. you know, I'll follow his directions, and, and you're going to help me through all of this. And so many of those subtle things assist us, and we're not sure how or by how much. And it doesn't matter. It's the fact that it's going to help you. This is good. Follow my yeah. instructions. So the word counsel is there. I think the preacher is another one who often has gone, has gone to for spiritual concerns. The elders, again, within the local church, elders' counsel and advice is sought out very frequently. And, and if you're... If you're dealing with a situation, again, God's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So it doesn't have to be an entirely spiritual question to ask a preacher or an elder mm-hmm. for counsel, right? Uh, it could just be the job that you have, um, whether or not you should be married to a particular person, or what, what are my options around divorce and those kind of things. If you go to a preacher, a, a gospel preacher who is faithful in the work that he does, or to the elders and you give them these very difficult questions with the circumstances that are in your life, the one thing I would just want to say to people is that you're sitting before someone who loves God, and they love and study His Word constantly. It doesn't mean they're qualified or are perfectly the right one to speak to about any given topic, because as you said, without the experience of that area, he may be lacking, but if he's faithful to God's word and faithful to the Lord, he'll admit that right off the bat. Right. One thing for me yeah. that I was told a long time ago is anytime someone comes into your office and says, what do you think I should do? The first thing you should say is, I am not a, a counselor through through classes and academia. Right. I can tell you what the word of God says, but I am not a professional counselor. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate that because yeah. sometimes we take on this role and go, oh, they're coming to me. I'm important. So here's what I think. You know, no, no, not, that's that is such a gross misunderstanding of what's being asked of you. And that the response you give should be as much like Jesus as you can possibly make it. But I think I think there's comfort yeah. there. Yeah. And when if I were, let's say I've got a problem, I come to you and you do that you you explain your limitations well that shows me first of all all you have integrity you're honest about yourself sure you say, I'll, I'll give you the best advice i can but i'm not a pro or you know whatever your limitations are in this matter that goes a long way i believe it does too uh because you, you we do need to seek advice from people we trust which is you know what we talked about at the beginning of this um, I can trust the elders to go to them. Um, and I think that's one reason why God calls them elders <laughs> among shepherd and, and overseer um, is because they are older. They've raised their children. They've been through the family life. They're advanced in age to the degree where they probably, maybe not in my case, <laughs> I don't know, but they, they've experienced things I have not. Yeah. Um, even, if they, even if they haven't experienced things uh, fully, and being human, they haven't. But they've dealt with a lot of problems, too. Many people have come to the elders or to a preacher and That's right. said, here's this problem. What do I do? 
So they have that experience of being in that environment. And so since they're godly men, they've demonstrated that in their life or they wouldn't be elders. They know God's word. They are concerned about my well-being. They want to do the best for me they can. That's and right. That will be giving me biblical advice that that is the best. Um, there's really no one else I'd rather go to. I'm sure not going to go to a human counselor. Yeah, I've been to university or whatever, <laughs> and I don't even know where they're coming from. Are they atheist? Are they humanist? You know, there are counselors, and, and I know of some that will tell you. You don't need to be going to church. That's that's detrimental. You don't need that stuff. Yeah. Those people because, are perfectionists. Yeah, they 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 don't believe in God. They think religion is harmful because it clouds your head with myths and yada yada yada. You're you're being mind controlled or whatever. And and they're not being dishonest. That's just the advice they're going to give you from their perspective. Well, it's the wrong advice, whether it's honest or not. Uh, I do need to be with people that are striving to do what is right. Uh, I do need to be in that environment where if I know I need help, there are people I can go to. When I've been there a while, like you said, and I've seen the way the preacher lives, it, it harmonizes with what he's saying and what he's telling us from the Bible, and he's he's doing it too. And I get to know the elders, and I get to know members that have wisdom and experience. Man, what a... What a wellspring of, of good advice I've got right there. That's right. Like you said, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Well, in the body of Christ, there's a multitude of counselors. That's right. I've, I've got a tremendous resource there Yes. that the Lord has provided for me. Counsel is simply guidance. And, yes. and we're using the same exact tools that God's given to us in that guidance. It's proven itself over and over throughout all of human history. It's dependable. It's reliable. And, and that's uh, anytime someone gives you counsel to get further from the Lord, run. Yep, red flag right there. Run. That, that counsel is not from God. That automatically, is from the devil. that's rejected. Yeah, and, and all, you know, not For just run because Danny says so, but run because you understand that the Creator who loves you and made you has the best counsel for you because he understands you as Kurt said better than anyone else let me give you one more um, are, would you call parents counselors mm, oh absolutely okay let me ask you one more they're question. the best ones for the kid because they for what age it all from day one day one they're counselors to their kids what about day two or you said from day one from day one so yeah. then forever yeah really now there's a point uh course when when a child grows up and they go out on their own establish their own family you're not going to knock on the door and say uh i noticed you're doing that here's my <laughs> advice on that i told you to clean your room <laughs> but there should be a relationship there. yeah cleaning a room is good advice because it has the good consequences it of course my parents are dead but um i would hope that my sons would come to me say you know what dad i've got this going on and I need some advice. Absolutely. Um, that would be the case because they've seen that as they were growing up and knew nothing and had no experience, uh, even though there's the mantra there from young people that, oh, my parents, they're so, they're so yesterday, they don't know anything. Just the fact they have lived longer than you puts the lie to that. They've experienced, and in many cases probably have done, Everything that you're experiencing 
and doing. They know what's going on. And, and that's they by can God's... Give you good, they can give you the best advice. I did that, and here's what happened. Right. It wasn't good. Yeah. And that's, you know two things. Number perfect. one is they've done it. Number two is they care about you. Right. They want there the outcome go. to be the best for you possible. Yep. And so for, for our young children, obviously, we should be counseling them. That means, for parents who are listening to us today, that means you are counseling them. In Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 12, God says, This is the sin of my people Israel. Children are their oppressors. That's embarrassing. Yes. Kids are running the show, and that cannot happen if it's going to be a godly home. And the reason why is because God's given us an order. You were born first, you lived most, at least half of your life, and you are qualified and prepared to look down at your six-year-old kid and say, here's what's going to happen. You are the adult, you've seen it, you've done it, you know the results of actions A, B, and C, and you are not going to let a child run around wild and figure it out for themselves because you love them. Yep. You're not a dictator. You're a counselor. You are offering advice and suggestions with consequences if it is not followed so that they can learn what life, society, and the immutable laws of God are all about. That is all provided in the home. It's teenagers, as you said, I think teenagers another tough window of time where you're still a counselor, but your counsel is not being heeded for the most part. I you can certainly speak to this, but for me, you know, both my boys, I say to them, um, you're stepping into your teenage years and you're getting too big for me to spank and get, and even catch. Yeah, I can't even catch you now. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm starting to see some yeah. problems I wasn't ready to deal with. Yeah. But what I, what I tell both of them is yeah. the teenage years are tough because in the natural process, you're starting to want to push away from us yep. and we're starting to want to see you go away. That's part of growth. Yeah. And so there's going to be, there's going to be fights come out of that, but we're aware of it because I'm telling you it's going to happen. Yeah. And I've now been, you're aware I've of been it. through it all. Exactly. Yeah. I've done it with my parents. Yeah. So when this urge comes up to lash out at your mother, whom you should honor and respect or to back talk me, whom you should honor and respect, stay in line with the rules we've given you. And I will see that I will make adjustments for you because we can do this the right way. Mm-hmm. But, and I, like I said, it's, got, it's by God's design. You're not supposed to stay in this home. And so there's, there's going to be yeah. more and more uh, stirring of, I got to get right. out of here. You're preparing them for independence. Yes, basically. yes. And, and give them more freedom. Yeah. Let them fall down flat if they need to, mm-hmm. to learn that what I told them in the past was actually true. Uh, a lot of boys especially need to go through that themselves. But, uh, you know, the teenage years are tough, but you are still the counselor. Yep. And you still know Absolutely. a lot more than they do as far as life is concerned. You're the best counselor they've got, especially if you respect the Word of God. That's right. And so let me just add one more. In, when your child is married, uh, son leaves father and mother. He's joined to his wife. The two become one flesh in Genesis chapter 2. And then on through the rest of time. Your role is not gone. It's just changed. Yes. Um, because there's a tendency for our children, especially early in marriage, first five years, I think that they're more likely to turn back to their parents and say, I made a horrible mistake. This guy's a scumbag. And you know, this is what he's, you don't believe what he's done to me. The natural response of a parent would be, I knew he was no good. You know, you, you come on back home and mm-hmm. that is not your job. Now in those scenarios that needs to be worked out appropriately. But as a parent of a married child, your job is to remind them of their vows and to remind them about how God sees marriage and that you better fight for this because you're going to be a better person 
by getting through it God's way as opposed to running from it and, and destroying all the things that you've worked for and thought you wanted. Yeah. You're not married because you were forced to be married. You're married because that's what you wanted. You made a choice, yeah. So, you know, come back around, figure out why all that's going on the way it is, get those things fixed. Half of it's you, I guarantee it. Half of it, if not more, is the other spouse. But the parents, I think there's an instinct to say, you come on home, nobody loves you more than mommy. Yeah. That is not that's what they should be told. We've seen, we've seen, you both, both you and I have seen yes. the results of that. And, uh, but there you are in that situation, you know, in, in your marriage in the early years, you went through probably the same adjustments. That's right. You're learning to live with another person intimately. Uh, you're going to know everything about them, you know, how bad their breath smells in the morning and, you know, well, maybe <laughs> mine, not yours, Danny. All the but, things they were hiding from you while you were dating. <laughs> <laughs> but there you are in a position. You have the knowledge and experience not to give in to your kid and say, yeah, you're right. Just bail out on the marriage. Come back home. Try again sometime. No, I'll, here are some ways you can work through this. Yeah. I'll be here as a resource you need to get with it, and and here's some things you can do. And I'll so you fight. Can offer advice. I will fight to to see you do what's right. Yeah, you're yeah. still the counselor that They've they always trusted in. Yeah, yeah. And, and if they know you through the years to be that kind of a person, they'll know that you're not going to let them come home. But we'll work through this. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Sure. Uh, and I won't let anyone hurt my precious child. But this is something that we need to work out and 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 be sensible about. So mm-hmm. the, all of that lends itself to either one who's being counseled and the one who counsels. And I think the take home for us, as we've talked about it today, is if you're being counseled and you sought that counsel, then, you know, prepare yourself for that. Understand that what you will be told is from from God's truth and that you need to move based on that instruction, the counsel that's given. And by the same token, if someone comes to you and asks for counsel, for help to get them out of a situation, that you would quickly remind yourself that, you don't have to answer right away. Say, you know, let, let me study, let me look, let, let me look into this and gather some information that I think will be helpful to you. So when you're asked to give counsel, it is just solid. It is the source of it is love, care, concern for the one you're counseling. And if that's not the case, tell them that. You know, if someone says, hey, yeah. can you help me? I'll say, I don't like you very much. I'm not going to be your vet, your best counselor. Yeah. There's integrity again, I guess. <laughs> I, I should mean, never say it, that. No, but... you, you should, especially among Christians. Yeah, that Let's should never soften it up. A little. I've, I've had uh, worldly and you know non Christians once they got to know me seek my advice. Sure. Um, they didn't always take it because perhaps the Bible was not what they were looking for. Yeah, but they saw something but in you. They saw something, and you know. I'm not going to tell them, well, you're not even a Christian. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm, no. No. You, In fact, that's the best opportunity because you can show them the wisdom and the compassion and the insight of God. Yeah. And that just might open that door. That's right. So we're going to do trivia questions if you're ready. We are ready. Okay, good. Trivia. Go ahead. Hit me. Okay. I, I think you went first last week anyway. So uh, my first one, uh, we read about in one of his missionary journeys that Paul was actually stoned 
uh, as a result of his preaching. What was the name of the city where that took place? How many guesses do I get? Uh, three, but the first two don't count. Okay. Wait a minute. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say Iconium. You're close. Lystra. Yes. Man! <laughs> it's those, those two cities are kind of go hand in hand. Yes, I they, thought, Those are the first two they went to. I thought for a while it was Derby because of just the way Derby was, it's kind of sandwiched in there. Yeah. I've always tied it to Derby because I, rem- I remember in studying years past, I thought, it's not Derby. i got to get that out of my mind. It's this one. It's Lystra. Lystra, yeah. Lystra. And I, I just mentioned those were the first they went to in in the interior they were. They actually landed on the coast and began preaching there. But, yep, Lystra, uh, Acts 14, verses 8 through 20. Uh, that was the result of Paul's preaching there. Preach the gospel, they, have they rocks thrown at you. They drug yeah. him out of the city, considering him to be dead. Yep. And he and stood while the up. disciples were there mourning over him, he gets up and goes back to town. <laughs> he gets up and Wait goes minute, back Paul. in his house. What are you doing? So you're going I'm wrong preaching way. the gospel. That's right. Yeah. Man, how do you stop a guy like that? Mm. Okay, number one for you. Uh, this I'm going to give you a setting of time. The people of Israel had taken foreign wives for themselves, and they sinned against God in doing so. So, And that's happened a lot. But, but who said this during this window of time? I contended with them and cursed them, struck some of them and pulled out their hair. And made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughter as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Who ripped out the hair of those who disobeyed God? Uh, my first impulse is Nehemiah. That's right. Nehemiah. I was a toss-up. Ezra preached on that. But yeah, Nehemiah got physical. <laughs> and you know what? The interesting thing about that is that Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah are right there together yep. in the Bible. Ezra heard about them taking foreign wives and he says I fell to the ground and ripped hair out of my own beard yeah so you know he is plagued by it as well yeah um yeah he wept for for a long time because of that but but Nehemiah but he's slapping people around ripping hair out of their head yeah and you know that sounds extreme but first of all they're in a vulnerable position trying to rebuild Jerusalem and secondly they're doing the exact thing that got him into trouble in the first place. That's what he tells them. He says, didn't Solomon yeah. sin by doing this? Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> Haven't you right. learned anything after 70 years? You're going to get us in trouble again. So, <laughs> Can you imagine somebody like with half a head of hair yeah. the next day and like, look what, what Nehemiah. What barber did you go to? Uh, actually, Nehemiah tore my hair out. Nehemiah ripped the hair out of my head. That would and hurt. Nehemiah would say, it's better to go to heaven uh, lame than to be cast into hell. Or bald, as the case may be. <laughs> Okay. Half bald. All right, uh, second question. Here's one um, from the Old Testament. Uh, we're told that when uh, Moses led the people out of Egypt by the power of God, that God wouldn't take them by the straightest and shortest route up to the promised land. Rather, he led them into the wilderness. Hmm. What was the reason that he did not take the easiest way? The simplest answer that I can think of is to test them. Okay, yeah. But there is a specific reason that uh, God gives that he's not going to lead them through basically the land of Canaan to get up to. Well, he needed, them, he needed them to go through a period of time where they had to be fully dependent on him. So no water, no food. That, that was all part of it yes. for the Lord to train them to, to know that they live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, not by bread alone. How about mm-hmm. what's... Yeah, That's the real he, answer. All of that is is uh, 
all incorporated into what God was. He's basically working to form a nation mm. and build a nation that will trust him. Uh, but it is uh, Exodus thirteen seventeen tells us that he did not want the people to be discouraged by war. Ah, oh, that's so right. He didn't lead I them, remember that. He didn't lead them through the land of the Philistines up into Canaan. That's Rather, right. Rather, he went out into the wilderness and came in the back way, so to speak. Okay. I remember, yep, you're exactly right. My, my passage was Nehemiah 13, 25, for mm-hmm. if you want to see somebody rip the hair out of other, people, out of other people's heads. Second, second question for you, um, I just want you to finish the verse. It's Amos 8 and verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of... A famine of the word of God. Yes, a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Amos 8 and verse 11. Very good. It's the worst kind of famine. And it came true. It sure did. Because Malachi was the last prophet of the Old, Old Testament, and for 400 years there was no one to uh, go and inquire of the Lord. God gave no word to the people. Very sad. Very sad. Okay, well, we did pretty good. Uh, again, the value of wise counsel, it is uh, immeasurable when someone tells you what you need to hear and then you receive that with the right spirit and, and do the right thing based on that godly counsel that's been given to you. Everyone wins. The one who's given counsel, who's concerned about you making that right decision and following God's will to see you do that, such a blessing to them. For you yourself to do it shows strength, courage, honor, integrity, and faith in the living word of God. And you have done that which God has commanded you to do. And it's your reasonable service. And then everyone else around you who knows you and sees you go through that will recognize your faith and your understanding and your willingness to do what is best. Not what you want, but what is blessed. That What is best, that is the, the best way to handle those situations as tough as they might be. We hope and pray that you're prepared for those, whether... You are counseling someone or you are requesting counsel. May God bless you and be with you through this week as you serve him faithfully.